going on, guys? Tim Jones, this song started making me want to cry. Thanks, Tim. I was like, oh, come on into you. Come on to me. I remember that song being sung, and it's such a beautiful song. It's such a powerful song. And I just, a flood of memories came through my mind of all our time together uh, with, with our family here in the church. Lord, as I love you. And uh, just from being in my home when we started the church with nine people 12 years ago, and uh, we were just jammed into my living room having midweek, and my neighbors were like, what are you doing over there? Why do people keep coming over? And, um, and then we outgrew that living room, and obviously we started worshiping at USM, and uh, it's just been amazing to see what God has done over these last 12 years. I know you guys just celebrated your 12-year anniversary. So yeah. give it up for yourself, guys. And uh, I am just so proud of you. I was thinking to myself, you guys don't need me at all. I'm just like a friend to you now. I'm just like somebody who, who's like, hey, yeah, Glenn, he's cool. He's like a cherry on top. We got the cake already right now made and doing it. I'm just so encouraged. Obviously, I need you. But just to see you guys, you know, as a church, it's just wow. You start a church, you plan a church, and then you go somewhere else, and it's still like alive, right? Yes. And that's just amazing. It's alive, you know? It's, it's the body of Christ. And wow. it's just, it's all because of God. It's all because yes. of who he is. And what, a, what an amazing thing for me to witness that, you know? I, I saw that in Albania. I see that now. And it's just wild. And as we were driving uh, over here, my son Manny got really <coughs> nostalgic, you know? And he was like talking like, why don't we move back? We gotta move back to Portland. I was like, it's not that easy, you know, just to move back, you know? But he was just saying, I had such a good time. And, and I love my church in Boston. I love my church up here. It's so hard. It's, it's even hard to compare. And I, I really, I didn't mean to put him on the spot, but it's so true. It's so true. Like, he talked about man up and just what an amazing time that was and flag football and all the fun things we did and the Super Bowl parties. And he was like, what, you can't have potlucks anymore in here? What's happening? He was so upset, you know, about that. And, and yet, you know, we're going to ask that. God moves the heart of the people at USM to let us eat again. But um, it's just great to be with you all. And uh, as I look into your faces, some of you don't even know who I am. I'm not, I'm not looking at you. But I look forward to getting to know you more. But I, I'm, I'm just, I just have so many memories. So many memories. So many wonderful memories. And uh, that's what the church is all about. That's what it means to be part of a family. That's what it means to be what it means to be devoted. So today, as we talk about, you guys have been doing a series, really steps of love, right? And just sort of talking about loving people and, and going out and, and loving and then with evangelism, right? That's basically what you guys have been talking about. It's been awesome to think about that. To think about just praying for people and then reaching out to people and just loving people, right? And just hanging out, being friends, and then letting God open doors, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then seeing what God does, and not feeling this pressure, but but doing it out of love, right? Yeah. And sort of seeing what happens, right? And I think that's really what the church did in the first century. They, they, they just kind of loved people, and, and people encountered these disciples, and they just, they, they were like, who are you? 
You know, why are you so kind to me? You know, why are you helping me like this? And then they would say, it's because I, I follow someone who's amazing. His name is Jesus. And that conversation started, right? And back then, they were, the church was persecuted. So it was difficult for them just to publicly have worship. And so it, everything was kind of like a secret, if you know what I mean. And, and they, they were sharing the secret in a way that was beautiful because it was so organic. And, and we still have that secret, amen? amen? That secret in the gospel. And today, the title of this message is, I said I wasn't going to talk about it. <laughs> you know that song, right? I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I couldn't keep it to myself. You know, and that's an awesome song, but you know, we're going to look at some people in the Bible who Jesus told, don't say anything to anyone about me. It's kind of funny that Jesus would say that, right? Yeah. And they totally disobeyed Jesus. <laughs> they were like, I mean, it's kind of rough when you disobey the Lord. It's not a good thing to do. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> Especially when he's like right there in front of you. He's like, I need you not to say anything. You're going to hinder our ministry if you do. I can't travel into towns. I can't do anything, right? Please do not say anything. It's going to hinder what we're trying to do. And he's like, okay, Jesus, thank you for healing me. I'm so grateful. I can, I, can, I, I can talk again. It's amazing. I've not been able to talk all my life, and now I can talk. What a challenge to be told to this person who can't talk, who can't hear. Don't tell anyone what happened. <laughs> so someone's like, hey, man, Fred, what's going on, Fred? I can talk. What? <laughs> you can talk? How did you get to talk? <clears throat> now you can talk. Tell me how you can talk. I've tried to talk to you this whole time and you can't talk. Please tell me. I can't tell you. <laughs> the guy who did it. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. The guy who did it. What guy did it? Mm, I can't say nothing. And you can tell, I said I wasn't going to talk about it, right? But I couldn't keep it to myself. Mm. And that's exciting when you think about even us and how we've encountered Jesus. Yeah, amen. And what that means for us, if we really think about how we've encountered Jesus. Right. You know, it's hard to keep it to ourselves amen. when you really think about it. So I'm excited about getting in. Danielle's going to speak a little bit as well, just sharing uh, some of her heart, which will be awesome. And then I have Manny sharing too. You ready to share, bro? No, okay. <laughs> um, okay, well, I just want to give you an update on our kids. Whoa. Okay, that's that, that strapping young man right there is Joshua. He is going to be 18 in a couple days, guys. He looks so different, I know. He's transformed. Look at him. Everyone's like laughing, like, what happened to this guy? And, and that's uh, his prom, or his team prom, and he's taking out a woman, and he drives, guys. And he's driving himself to Six Flags right now, guys. It's crazy. And, he's, and teens are in there with him. And people trust him to drive these teens two hours away. How in the world can that happen, right? Uh, you got Noah, he's 15, guys. And uh, don't pay any mind to that woman in the back. She's, she's, uh, um, but uh, Noah's doing great. He's really, really amazing. And he's been such a huge part of the team. Both Josh and Noah and Manny, in fact, I'm so proud of them. 
they've been such an impactful people in the church in the Northwest. I mean, there's a big team ministry, and there's not a lot of Baptist people that were baptized in the team ministry when we came. COVID's been challenging, you know what I mean? Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Just especially with the teens. And, um, and you know, they haven't been able to get together. And so when Josh and Noah and, and Manny came into the, to the teen and preteen ministry, they just were like, just making friends and loving people. And since April, uh, this, uh, this year, we've seen seven teens get baptized. Wow. It's been amazing. And, 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 and it's so cool to be in studies with your son. We're doing light and darkness. We're talking about how Jesus saved us from our sins. And I'm hearing my boys talk about how Jesus saved them from their sins. Talking about their sins. And just being so humble. And I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, we're, we're studying the Bible together now. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. You guys have been a big part of helping their faith grow. Just all the hours and all the time that you guys spent. You know, when my son is calling another teen and saying... What are you waiting for? Don't be afraid. Someone, AJ and Tim, they told me that I didn't have to be perfect. You know, they told me about Jesus. They told me that I didn't need to. They, they said they weren't going to talk about it, but they couldn't keep it to themselves. And, and obviously, Manny, he's just been such a, a great person in the preteens and teens. He's just, you know, you know Manny. He's always <laughs> This is us in Star Wars. We're at Star Wars and Disney right there. You know, he's... He's, he's excited, but I'm just so proud of them, and uh, they've just been such a huge, huge encouragement to us, and it's not been without challenges, a new school, new life, right, and so it's, it's pretty cool. Um, these are Lulu and Ellie, you guys remember oh, them, the doggies, right, and this is, uh, we're on a, we live near a bike path, which is really nice to pray, and that's really great, um, and my mom and grandma, you guys remember my mom and grandma, yes. They used to come here a lot when they visited. Uh, they're studying the Bible right now. And they want to be baptized soon, which is really amazing. So I will let you know about that. But you guys have been a huge, huge encouragement. During COVID is when God worked in their life the most. Through the online ministry that we had, I could send her the services. And she came every Sunday. Guys. And since then, she's been growing in her faith. And so I just... I'm just grateful. You're, you've helped my family so much. You've helped my faith. And I'm so grateful with where our family is at. I know it's because of the seeds that you guys sowed. And I'm just going to give a shout out to James Berry. Come on, James Berry. James Berry was a friend of all three of my boys. Best friend. And it, best friend. It was like, James is my best friend, they would say. And I'd be like, you know, he's like... 14 years older than you. <laughs> it's kind of hard, but he, he's my best friend. And Noah would say, he's my best friend. And the truth is, he is. He's everyone's best friend. He's my best friend. I know. <laughs> so, um, well, let's get into the message. Can we stop getting all sentimental? Okay. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Come on, James. Luke chapter 8. The first point is the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you. You have a secret, guys. You know, if, you've, if, you've, if you know Jesus, you carry a secret, secret with you that many people don't know about. Have you ever tried to keep a secret that you're really excited about? Yeah. That's so difficult. I mean, it's painful how difficult it is. Even now, you have secrets. 
that you can't tell me. <laughs> no, secrets, good secrets, right? Bad secrets are a little bit difficult, you know? That, that's stuff we should get open with, amen? But the good secrets I'm talking about, and, and the good news of the kingdom of God, that is a secret. <clears throat> and I know you know that, but I want to remind you that not a lot of people know this secret. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about special missions, why do we give? We give so that more people can know the secret, the secrets of the kingdom. Amen. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 9, the Bible says, Jesus said to his disciples that the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, right? And as we look at this is what he says in Luke chapter 8 about the secrets. That he speaks in parables, right? Because of that. And, and this is what he says specifically to the disciples who are trying to understand a parable, which was a story basically about a very spiritual principle. And in verse 9, the, the Bible says in Luke, His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but not to others. I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. You know, the secrets. You know, imagine if you had the cure for cancer. And you could just, you you had that, you found, you know about it. And you had to keep it secret. That would just be like, what? I can't. That's impossible, right? Imagine if, if you knew, right, how you could transform and be different. You know? And, and you, you, you could help people who, who had addictions and they could literally stop through the power that you know about. You know, imagine if you had the secrets to living forever. Mm. You know, and I'm saying imagine, right? You do. <clears throat> we do. Amen. We have the secrets of the kingdom. And it's been given to us. And I don't know why sometimes God gave it to me. I don't know why God gave it to me. Now, it's available to everyone. But, but I know there's sometimes when I'm talking to people about the kingdom. And it's like I'm speaking another language, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. They're like, what? Why would you ever do that? You know, I feel like Chris Tucker in Rush Hour talking to Jackie Chan. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? And they're like, no, you know, I don't understand the words. It's a mystery why some hear about the mystery and some don't. I think it has to do with humility. But 23 times in the Bible, in fact, Jesus strictly warns them. It says he sternly warned them. If you sternly get warned by someone, that's pretty intense. Jesus wasn't like, hey, don't talk about it, okay? That wasn't what he said. He was like, you cannot say this at all to anyone. You know, when you sternly warn someone, it's intense. And these people could not keep it to themselves. They literally couldn't do it. You know, I remember as I was, you know, mentoring a teen named Nate Pitts. We just baptized him. And we had this basketball connection, so we played a lot of hoops together. We are hanging out. And this is part of the Pitts family. And we talk about God. He was like, yeah, God, it's all right. You know, but let's go play basketball. You know? So I'd be like, all right, let's play basketball. And then finally we sat down and we talked a little bit. We said, what if you just gave this a shot? What if you just opened the Bible and read? Well, I don't want to study the Bible. I just want to read the Bible. <laughs> I was like thinking to myself, that's the same thing, basically. But um, sounds good. So we, we read the Bible together, and, and he started changing. 
the Word of God. He started to encounter Jesus. He read the book of John, like many of us have, and we would text each other back and forth. And he started getting, starting to, to, to reveal the secret. This isn't a man. It was one of the texts. This is more than a man. A man wouldn't talk like this. I'm like, okay. He's studying the Bible now. He's not just reading it, you know? And we're starting to read. And then, and then finally he's texting me now. Hey, when can we get together and study again? When can we get together and study again? And I felt bad because I was holding him back. I was like, I, I, I got a lot going on, man. I, I, hopefully we've studied this week already. How about next week? Well, how about this week? <laughs> oh man okay I'll get you with another person and so he started reading the Bible with someone else because I was holding him back I had a lot going on a lot of different things happening and, and then he finally was baptized this last Sunday Amen. and it was amazing there was another person we, we baptized a, a, a basketball player um, and you're like, I help other people with just basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> another basketball player named Ephraim, and he is six foot seven. He's a he's a, plays at UMass Lowell, uh, which is awesome. And he brought a girl out named uh, Aaliyah, and she was cold as ice. You know those people that come to church? You know, they're as cold as ice. You know, they're like really cold. You know, and they're, hey, how you doing? Hi. <laughs> You're cold right now. Are you okay? You know? And she was just obviously, it's, it's intimidating coming to church sometimes. Everyone's like, ah. And you're like, get away from me, please. You know, but, but sometimes we're a little bit overzealous. But, um, and, and, and she started reading the Bible over the summer. And then she started learning about the secret, if you want to know. I really understand the secret. And, 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 and I saw her, after a, we had a Bible study in campus, and I saw her alone at a table, reading the Bible. And I went up to her and I said, hi, how are you doing? Her whole face brightened up. She just did a study with the Daniel and the girl. She's like, I'm learning so much. I love this. And I was like, this is a totally different person. Because she learned the secret. She learned about the secret, you know? And how do we learn about the secret? By encountering Jesus. By, by encountering Jesus as we read the Bible. You know, I wish we could encounter Jesus physically, right? Yeah. But there's three different types of people that Jesus says, don't say nothing to nobody. The first were the demons. I don't know about you, but if you're, I'm a demon, I don't want to tell anyone about Jesus. Because I'm a demon. And if I'm a demon, I want everyone not to know anything about Jesus. Because that helps me, if you know what I'm saying. Okay? I'm against this Jesus. He's not on my side. I'm on the other guy's side, right? And yet the demons could not shut up about Jesus. The demons, they, they couldn't keep it. They said they were going to talk about it, but they couldn't keep it to themselves. And as we read the Bible, we see a story in Mark chapter 1. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is when he... <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed how the demons, their encounters with Jesus were so intense. And, and in fact, Jesus... Probably no one in the Bible knows Jesus as clear yeah. as the demons. Facts. Right, yeah. And so you, you, you imagine just being with Jesus and then some person who's demon-possessed falls on the ground. They start talking. I know who you are. Jesus, the Son of God, the Holy One. You know, that's pretty intense, right? Mm. At a potluck or something, that would not be really great. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, whoa, man, I'm just trying to... Chill out here. What's happening over there? 
You know, and, and what happens is, is amazing. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21, it says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teachings because he taught them as one who had authority, not as a teacher of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus sternly said. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? <laughs> you ever ask that question? What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him, and news spread about him quickly over the whole region of Galilee. You know, in Mark chapter 3, again, we see the same thing, verse 7 and 12. You can just write the scripture down, but Jesus, again, tells him, gives strict orders not to tell him anyone about him. And then Luke 4, verse 40, he said, he rebukes them, and doesn't even allow them to speak. He was like, I know who you... Be quiet. Don't say nothing to nobody. Now, why did Jesus do that? It seems like, what a testament. Even the demons confessed Jesus is Lord. Why would he do that? Well, it hindered his ministry. He literally couldn't go into towns. I mean, isn't it wild? He couldn't go into towns. People would just flood around. And it was... I, I can't wait till we are a part of the ministry where you can't even do church because it's just flooded with people. You're like, dude, we gotta start singing. Get out of here, man. We, we, gotta, we gotta start singing. Everyone be quiet. Stop getting all excited. Shh. All right, let's pray. Let's, let's have worship. You know, that one was going on with Jesus. He couldn't even teach. People were in hysterical sense. Please heal me. Please, they're bringing their family ones to him. And he's healing people over and over again. This is what was happening. And then again, the people who, who he was healing, you know, in Mark 9, he, he says, See that no one knows about this. Mark 9, 27-31. You know, he says, See that, he, Jesus warned them certainly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. Mark 8, verse 25-26. He says, Don't even go in the village. He, kind of, he gave up giving them warnings. Because <laughs> he knew it wasn't going to work. He's like, yeah, don't even go in the village. Just, just stay out here with me. <laughs> because I know what you did. Those other people shared and they jacked everything up. Just don't even go in the village. I know, I know. You're going to keep the secret. You told, oh, that's what the last guy told me. <laughs> <laughs> just stay here, right? This is my favorite. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. Then we're going to hear from Daniel. Mm -hmm. Mark chapter 7. <laughs> this is awesome. In verse 31, something amazing happened. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, or in verse 31, and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on them. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ear. Wet willy? No. <laughs> then he spit and touched the man's tongue. This is rough, right? I mean, okay. Interesting way to give someone. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, Eprathata, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened. 
and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. I love that. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, he said. He even makes the deaf ear and the mute speak. He would just, the more he told them not to speak, the more they kept speaking. What was it about an encounter with Jesus that made them not able to even obey Jesus? There's something about encountering Jesus that I want you to, to remember today. And Danielle's going to talk a little bit about that. But she made me look at the leper. Good morning, everyone. It is so great to be with all of you. Sorry, I'm getting settled here. Um, well, I wanted to read a passage in Mark chapter 1, um, in verse 40, as we talk about encountering Jesus. This is a beautiful encounter. So in verse 40, it says, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Mm. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. And, you know, this is, you have to see yourself in this passage where, you know, Jesus says, do this, and then sometimes we say, well, instead, I think I'll do this, and, you know, but Jesus is so incredible. He has this beautiful encounter with this, this man who's really hurting. So, as we know, leprosy was a, a horrible skin disease, a devastating skin disease that would have caused this man a tremendous amount of pain, both physically and emotionally. Yeah. It was one of the most isolating ailments a person could suffer with. There was disgust and shame associated with it. There was a sense of being impure and, and contagious and um, to be avoided at all cost. And so when this man falls at the feet of Jesus, there is a, a deep reservoir of pain that is welling up under this interaction. And he says to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so I think about this man, and he's starting in a good place because he says, you are, he, he seems to believe that Jesus is able. Yeah. Yeah. He says, you can make me yeah. clean. You know? So he, he has faith. He believes that Jesus is able to heal him. And that's true. And that is a, that's a good place for us to start, believing yeah. that Jesus is, is where we turn when we're in pain. <clears throat> when you need something, go to Jesus. He is able. He can help you with whatever it is. And whatever we're carrying, whatever pain you might be carrying, Jesus is able. He is able to help you. He is able to meet your need, whether it's physical pain, which is, is very real, or emotional pain, anxiety, depression, whether you're dealing with trauma from your past and that type of pain, whatever you're going through, 
Jesus is able. Amen. And Amen. when we fall on our knees in front of him, we're, we're in the right place. That's where we should be. And so that's encouraging for us. But the question the man was really wrestling with wasn't are you able, but are you willing? Yeah. And that's a question we have to wrestle with too. And Jesus just answers him like with this overwhelming, resounding, yes, yes, I'm willing. And I, I'm so encouraged by that message that not only is our Jesus able, he is also very much Amen. willing. Amen. And there's different translations, um, depending on what version of the Bible you were reading today, yours might have read a little differently than mine. Most of the translations say something more along the lines of Jesus was moved with compassion, um, as opposed to the word translated here, indignant. So if that's the case, if, if we go with, moved with compassion. That makes a lot of sense, right? That Jesus looked at this man, knew deeply inside and out the journey this man had been on, and was moved with compassion to help him. And that's really encouraging, that when Jesus looks at you and he looks at me, he knows us, he knows our story, he knows our journey, he knows our pain, and, and he's full of compassion to help us wherever we're at on the road. He isn't afraid to touch the leper. You know, we often make note of the fact that he touched him, and he didn't have to touch him. He could have just, with his voice or a thought, you know, healed the man. But he he touched him, and mm. all of us have untouchable parts. You know, parts that are ugly, or we have shame associated with them. And Jesus isn't afraid to touch you there, to help you there. Mm. And I think that's such a beautiful. I love Jesus. <laughs> you know, he's. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, and if we think about the other possibility of that word, indignant, where the one I read says, you know, Jesus was indignant at the question, the thought, are you willing? And I, I kind of like that idea that, you know, and, and there's, a, there's many ways you could look at that. But what I think is he was like, don't you know I'm willing? Like, of course I'm willing. Like, like in John 14, 9, where he says to one of his disciples who's wrestling with some doubt, he says, don't you know me after I've been among you such a long time? You know, that Jesus wants us to know how much he loves us. Mm -hmm. You know, that's pretty much the theme of the New Testament is, you know, that God's love for us is just deep and wide and unfathomable, and yet he wants us to fathom it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says, I'm, I'm, am I willing? Of course I'm willing to make you clean. God is love, and Jesus shows us that love in action with a, a human body. And I believe that Jesus wants us to be totally confident Amen. that he is not only able, but also very much willing Amen. to heal us, Amen. Um, to know the depth of his love, and to be able to take refuge in that. Jesus wants to be your safe place and my safe place, the one we run to because we know, yes, he's able, and yes, he's willing. And as I read through this account of Jesus and the leper, I kept coming back to the command in John 15, 12, where Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And, you know, you guys are talking about steps of love and sort of that whole idea of, Let's put some hands and feet on, on love. What does that look like in action? Um, and I believe Jesus is calling us to, to love like this, to love people, to love each other in this room, to love the people outside of this room, in our communities, in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, to take those steps of love. You know, I know in a room like this, 
in my own heart on any given day, there's there's things that are going on that I need help. You know, yep. there's there's people who are dealing with with sickness, with like long term chronic sickness. And at times, I think we can pull away in those situations because maybe we don't know what to do or it feels just really heavy. But Jesus is reaching into touch in those mm. situations. Yeah. You know, there's people who it's hard for us to get along with. <laughs> And yeah. you might be that person for someone else, you know. And it's easier often to just pull away. And I'm not just going to interact with you because it's hard. But, you know, as disciples and as taking those steps of love, helping each other, you know, talking through those things, reaching out in love and compassion as opposed to pulling away. Um, you know, there's people who have made bad choices. And as, as a result, their lives are kind of messy and full of consequences. And we can be like... Oh, that's that's hard, you know. But Jesus reaches into those messy situations and asks us to do the same. Amen. Um, you know, they need there. There are people, and this is where I, you know, people struggle with their mental health. It is profound. It is huge. It is um, doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter your age, your stage. It's a real battle. And people struggling with their mental health can feel like lepers at times. Like, that's, that's untouchable. That's, you know. Um, and we, as disciples, have the opportunity to come alongside and say, it's okay. God's got you. Yep. He is able. He is willing. Yeah. Your emotions and ups and downs and highs and lows, they don't overwhelm him. He's got you. Um, and that's the message we need for ourselves and that we can be for each other and for those around us in our, our, our circles. Yeah. And I just think it's really cool that you have a circle that no one else has. You, I was listening to something, and he just said, no one else has lived your life. And I was like, that's incredibly obvious, but it's so true. Like, yeah. no one else has lived my life with my, the things I can relate to and empathize, the people that I'm connected to, the things yeah. I've experienced. And I have a really special opportunity to to bring God's love into Amen. people's lives because of that. Amen. And so... For me, I would just encourage you, as I've done for myself, to just listen for God's voice. Mm -hmm. What are the ways that you can take steps of love? What are the ways that you can reach into people's messy situations or untouchable situations and, and shine some love of God there? Because there's nothing more exciting, motivating, filling <clears throat> than to know that you've helped bring God's love into somebody's mm -hmm. life in that way. Amen. So thank you so much. Amen. <laughs> Man. Well, um, I want to ask you, you know, as we think about this, what's, you, what's your encounter with Jesus been? I think sometimes we, we try to, like, muster up the strength to talk to people about God. And I believe sometimes we do need to do that, you know? I remember there are many times when I don't feel like sharing yeah. Jesus. It's not because he's not amazing, it's because I'm selfish. Yeah. And it's like, someone's like, so I've been looking for... God, do you know anything about that? <laughs> I gotta go, man. Okay, yeah, I do know. And, and I'm feeling convicted. And they come to church and become disciples. You know, so many times that's happened. But I don't think that's how we need to feel all the time. And I don't think it's, it's it, there's certainly a denial of self in following Jesus, right? That that's, We can't get away from, right? And I always feel better after I deny myself. I never feel bad about that, right? But most of the time, it's got to come from an overflow. 
And, and, and I think that happens through both taking steps of love and encountering Jesus again. Yeah. And I want to encourage you to encounter Jesus today. I do feel like many of us have been disciples for a long time. Some of us have been disciples for a shorter time, and we can kind of take what we have, this secret, for granted. And that's what communion is all about. Communion is about remembering not just the death of Jesus, but our encounter with Jesus. Do you remember when you first encountered Jesus? Not in a church, not in a religious way, but you, you, you stopped and you said, who is this man? You, know, you stopped like these people and said, what is this? What is this? You know? I remember, you know, I was, I was, you guys know many, I've, I've shared my story often, but I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know, the, the, the first time I read the Bible was, that I remember, was I was drunk. And I came home from a party, and I was like, man, I gotta change, I gotta stop doing this. And I saw the Holy Bible, and I was like, well, I better get reading this. <laughs> so I started reading, and I got to Genesis 4, and we were in the genealogy section. You know what I mean? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know, it was late night, and I was drunk. So obviously, I fell asleep right at the top of the Bible. I woke up, and the words of God were on my head. <laughs> I looked in the mirror, I was like, whoa, what happened last night, you know? But I remember not knowing anything about this book and saying, Oh, man, this is, this is a dense book. How could I ever know? And then a year later, meeting some disciples. And they asked, did you want to read the Bible? And I encountered Jesus. started reading the book of John. And at first, they were like, okay, read a little bit every day. And then I came back to the next study. Did you read? I was like, no. I'm like, why not? Because I'm an undisciplined campus student. You know? But that was true. I just didn't read. Ask me how many books I read before coming to Christ, maybe two, to kill a mockingbird, which everyone had to read. <laughs> and it's Louis L'Amour classic that I read one time. I like Louis L'Amour. And, and so, you know, that's what I read. And then I started not just reading one chapter, reading five chapters, seven chapters, ten chapters. And then I was through a whole New Testament. And I was like, whoa, I encountered Jesus. I said, this is real. There's no way. I literally said out loud to myself, there's no way a man can say something. He's not a man. He's, he's my Lord. And then I realized that he didn't have to go to the cross. That he actually willingly went. That he said, you know, God, I don't want to do this. I'll go somewhere else. Let's start again. And the Father would say, okay. He says in John 10, I lay it down freely. No one lays it down for me. My Father gave me the choice. And I choose you, Glenn. I choose you above it all. Encountering Jesus, you know? And, and we need to share not just an invitation, right? But we need to share an encounter with Jesus. Yeah. That, that's what I want to encourage you to do. And share your encounter with Jesus. And it can be hard sometimes to figure out how to share your encounter with Jesus. Because it's your encounter with Jesus. But how would I do it? Well, first, he freed me from the sins that I, I could never stop. I kept saying, I'll never do this again. And I kept on doing it. I said to myself, you know, how am I supposed to even have a relationship with a girl, let alone get a marriage? All my family's divorced. My wife and I are the longest marriage 
in our whole family. Mm. You know, if I was going to share my encounter with Jesus, I'd share this. I'd share with my family. I, I just, there's no way I can stay married without Jesus. There's no way I can actually stay happily married with Jesus. There's a lot of people that stay married right. and, and they're not happy. Mm. You know, there's no way I could, could learn about my value. I have a purpose. I have a calling because of Jesus. And I want you to encourage you to share that encounter with people. Because it's a special one. Amen. It's a special one. But I, I want you to write it down. Like, I actually want you to have a couple quiet times on this. Mm-hmm. Encountering Jesus. Like, and I know it's different from each one of us. And sometimes it's hard to like do that. I, I know emotionally it's difficult. But if you... When I was a baby Christian, <clears throat> I just was like, I gotta tell everyone about this. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought they knew. I thought like, hey, yeah, you've read the Bible, right? They're like, no, I haven't read the Bible. What's that? It's in there. I'm like, you haven't read the Bible? Well, I'm not the only idiot out there, okay? There's other people that haven't read the Bible? Oh, I went to church one time. Oh, I never went to church before. I don't even know about the cross. What's the cross? I was like, you don't know what the cross is? I didn't know what the cross was. And we started talking to people. And there's people in this community, when you say Jesus died for you, they look at you like, what? I never learned about Jesus. I felt like very much like I couldn't keep it to myself. And that's the thought I wanted to share right now with you. And it's so cool to think about. You guys all know Ray Mathers. Do you guys know Ray Mathers? Some of us do, some of us don't. He was a special, special person to the Portland church. He would come up, uh, they would come up and, and encourage the young families here, encourage the young marriages. We had uh, a lot of young people being married, and it was, you know, we were supposed to be the gurus of marriage, which is hilarious, right? It was us in the Barabies, and we were like, yeah, we're in trouble, you know, and, and, and we still needed help with that, and, and we helped a lot of marriages, but they came up and they loved people. I think about even just how many times they spent with you, and he called, uh, the way he became a Christian, it's kind of wild, he, he, he looked in a phone book. Found the Boston Church of Christ, picked up the phone and called and said, hey, I'm looking for a church. And that's how he came to Christ. Pretty wild story, right? And then he encountered Jesus and he became the stepfather of Jesse Doman and Jenna Doman. And he stepped in at a time, right? Because of his relationship with Jesus, he was able to step in at a time when they were going through a tumultuous time in their family. And Ray stepped in and was the man of the house that really helped. And now these two amazing couples, you know, you got Alexander and Jesse who lead a church in South Carolina, and you have Jenna and Collier Winters that now lead in Boise, Idaho, the campus ministry. You see how one encounter with Jesus can lead to so many, so much good in this world. Amen. Just one encounter with Jesus can change generations of people. You know? And so as we take communion now, I want you to commit to Jesus that you're going to go encounter him. When, if it's hard to share your faith, you haven't encountered Jesus. I'm not saying it's easy to share our faith. It's scary. It's hard to like talk to people about it because they feel like, oh, this is going to be weird. This is the, this is the toss-up I feel when I'm with my neighbors. I go, how do I share this without being weird? Who feels that sometimes? How do I share this without being weird? 
So I met this guy, Jesus. I was reading the book of John. It was amazing. And then you're like, whoa, how do I do this? And, and what I tell people is, you know, after, after I get to know them a lot, after I get to talk with them a lot, I ask, you know, my friends, my buddy, I say, listen, you are such an awesome person in my life. The best thing I have in my life is my relationship with God. Is it okay if I share with you what he did for me? Most people are not going to say no. I don't want to hear what he did for you. That's what Jesus told everyone that he actually did tell to go back, right? He told the, the demon-possessed man, go back and tell your family all the Lord has done for you. And I want to encourage you that to share your faith that way with people. You know, as, as, as God opens the door just to say, can I share what, what my relationship with God means to me? Is it okay if I share that? Share it and then say, would you like to learn about that relationship? And if they say no, guess what? It's treasured in their heart forever, amen? They're going to remember that. And they'll come back later, I'm sure, at some point. You know, I love the song. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. I didn't actually know much of the words. Sometimes I sing songs and I don't actually look at the words. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just clap and go, oh, this is awesome, yay! You know, and, and I'm trying to get better at that. And, and I'm a worship leader, amen? So that's funny. Um, but... I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I couldn't keep it to myself. I said I wasn't going to, I couldn't keep it to myself. I couldn't keep it to myself. I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I couldn't keep it to myself. What the Lord has done for me, for me. You ought to have been there when Jesus saved my soul. You ought to have been there when he wrote my name on the roll. And then you're supposed to... I think this would be better, you know. But but that there, I don't know. Maybe that, that's like maybe more seventies. But I'll keep walking and I'll keep talking and I'll keep singing and I'll keep shouting what the Lord has done for me. And as we take communion, what has the Lord done for? What has your encounter with Jesus been? Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're like, I, I don't know yet. I'm going to encourage you. You're, you're in for an adventure. You're in for an amazing adventure. Yeah. And, and, and like me, if I could become a Christian, you certainly could become a Christian too. Mm -hmm. I, went for, I went from a long way of having the words sweated upon my head mm -hmm. to now sharing with you <laughs> and leading a planting. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Mm -hmm. One encounter with Jesus can change the world, guys. How has the Lord changed you? How, what has the Lord done for you? That's the question I want to leave you as we take communion and as we worship together. Yeah. What we'll do a little bit differently today is we'll have a prayer and then we actually have real communion. Oh. The bread is here, guys. Yeah. No more. <laughs> I just want to say hallelujah. Let's pray and um, let's let's remember all the Lord has done for us. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, God. Lord, I know in the Bible, Peter and John were commanded by the Pharisees not to say anything. And they said, judge for yourselves. What's more important, to obey God or to obey man? We can't help speaking. 
about what we have seen and heard. And Lord, I just pray that you would, that your Holy Spirit would help us to be to have an encounter with Jesus. That each one of us would have a fresh encounter with Jesus. And that we would we would be moved, we would remember all the Lord has done for us. I don't think I, a notebook could fill up all the things that you have done for me, Lord, let alone all these people. And God, we know that one of the greatest things you've done for us, Lord, is dying for us, taking our place, taking our death, taking the death upon yourself on the cross because, because you love us, Lord. And God, I thank you so much for all the Lord you've done for us, all you've done for this body of believers, God what you've done for our friendships, what you've done for our hope, what you've done for, for, for our marriages and our relationships and our lives, God, what you've done to our families. God, I can't believe my grandma wants to get baptized. I can't believe she's 92 years old, and I pray you keep her alive, and she would have that encounter with you, Lord. Amen. God, I thank you so much for, for saving my dad. Lord, he didn't want anything to do with you, and, and you saved my dad. Mm. Lord, he went to glory. He's in paradise now, but I can't imagine what it would be like to, to, to not know you, Lord. What would my life be like? What would our lives be like? Where would we be right now if we never knew you, Lord? God, we, we think about that, and it moves us. It moves us to think, God, we, we can take you for granted, Jesus. And we don't want to do that anymore. And God, this communion is the start of that. Lord, thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.